0: So if you're joining with us for the first time this morning, I'll say welcome to you. I, um, I dare say you've come at a great time, not just because it's Mother's Day, but we're just, last week we just started a series on the book of James. And this morning isn't a Mother's Day uh, message by, by any means, but I do believe that the message that God has brought us by his word uh, speaks well of what it looks like to, uh, to have healthy families and uh, a life that we can live for, uh, for Jesus and, uh, and to, to love one another better in the Lord. So we're gonna, we're gonna turn this morning to James chapter one, verses 19 to 27. James chapter one, verses 19 to 27. So let me invite you now to hear the word of the Lord. James says, know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. So go back with me to May 24th, 1884. Any history buffs in the room remember that date? May 24th, 1884. A man by the name of Samuel F.B. Morse sat at his desk in Washington, D.C., and with just a tap of his finger, that one man single-handedly changed the world forever. Morse had been tasked by the U.S. government to construct and connect a wire from Capitol in D.C. all the way to Baltimore, Maryland. And so after years of research and $30,000 in funding, the guy pulled off the impossible, and the telegraph was born. The first message ever uh, written was, uh, was this series of dots and dashes, right? And through them, Samuel wrote out the words, What hath God wrought? What hath God wrought? Numbers 23, 23, a direct quote. It was his expression of marvel and wonder, right? He knew in that moment that God had given humanity something glorious. It's funny, today we see the telegraph as like an ancient relic, right? But in that room, it was revolutionary. Until that day, the fastest way to communicate, think about this, was like by pony or smoke signal or train. But I give you that random history because this lesson that we find in James gives us what I would call the Morse code for the Christian life. It is the telegram for our walk with Jesus Christ. In fact, if we were to send out this lesson that we're going to read this morning across the church wires, you might find this pattern. Look at this up on the screen. It's just one dot and two dashes one quick, two slow. Look at this again up on your screens. Look at this in verse 19. Know this, James says, my beloved brothers. Let every one of you be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. You see the code? Dot, dash, dash. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Today I want to explain for the rest of our time this morning that one dot, and those two dashes of following Jesus. That's it, it's that simple. And my prayer is that as we do this, that image of that telegraph would stick with us not just right now in this worship service, not just this week, but maybe even our entire lives. Because here's my conviction, that dot and those two dashes offer us a life-changing, life-giving pattern. James was writing to this church that had been scattered in the, in the dispersion, right? We, we learned that last week. They were persecuted and they, this, 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 this persecution had broken out for the first time among these people. Leaders had been stoned to death. Life was, was not good. And, and so the image of the church in that setting was probably something quite unfamiliar to us. Just imagine with me like a, a gathering of people huddled up in a house for worship and this community was probably somewhat organic, right? There was no written New Testament like we have. There was no canonized Bible that you carried into worship with you. There's no established worship team up on stage. There's no hymnal. The flock would gather for the, really the sole purpose that is to feast on God's word. And at that time, remember, this was an oral culture. You would memorize scriptures and then you would pass them down to the generations below you. And so James writes this very specific message to God's people at this very specific time. He says, as you walk through this trial, your focus should be on three things. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, dot, dash, dash. Remember, most lessons, uh, letters in the the New Testament were, were written as a specific response to something that was going on in the church. They were contextual, right? In real time, the church would send a letter or a person with questions or concerns about their community. And then the author would send their church a God-given counsel in reply. That was how Paul did it with the Corinthians or the Philippians. That was how Peter did it with the, the, the exiles that he wrote to. And this book of James is no different for us, right? Somewhere in the midst of this church, in the midst of this assembly, a conflict had come arise, had arisen, where someone had spoken too fast, failed to listen well, and in so doing, they got the entire assembly worked out. It's a good thing that doesn't happen in today's church, right? Someone has spoken out of turn. And James writes this letter to encourage them and their walk now and their life together. And he says, there's one thing you need to be quick about and there's two others where you'd be really wise to slow it down. And here we are some thousands of years later and I wanna show you this morning how relevant this message really is for a Mother's Day like this. Let's, Let's start here, look at this dot. Look where James begins. James says, to follow Christ well, you need to be quick to hear. Let's play some Mother's Day trivia. Humor me for a minute. If I were to ask your mom or the mother figure that was in your life, how well you listened as a young child, what do you think they'd say? What would she have said about your your ability to, to listen well? What grade do you think she would give you? A plus, I ask that because I, I feel like this is, this is one that does not come naturally to us, right? If you know me well, then you, you know me by now, then you know that most of my, my report cards in elementary school were unsatisfactories. And certainly this was one where I got the U, right? Fails to pay attention in class, the teacher would write a note multiple times. You know, it takes deliberate work to be fully present with someone, right? That's what makes a good counselor. That, that's what makes a, a best friend it doesn't come naturally to us to really soak in someone's words in that moment, to actively engage in what it is that's being communicated to us. Look at how Dietrich Bonhoeffer explained this in his book, Life Together. Fantastic read if you haven't picked it up. He said, many people are looking for an ear that will listen. They don't find it among Christians. Because Christians are talking about talking where they should be listening. But he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon be no longer listening to God either. He will be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. This is the beginning of the death, the spiritual life. And in the end, there is nothing left but spiritual chatter. Let me give you a Montana way of looking at that, a little bit more of a concise quote. I don't know who said it, but as I was on the rivers this week, it popped into my head. That is that shallow streams make the most noise. When you find someone who is slow to listen, it typically comes with a a noisy and shallow depth in their life, does it not? And James tells the church we should look different than that stream, right? The patterns of our lives should communicate across the wires differently than the world around us. To do that, we should be a people who listen well who are quick to hear. This one, I think this one messed with my girls this week. I was, you know, this is new to you. I've been thinking about this all week long, right? And so me and Taylor and Addie, my two little girls, we had gotten together to work on a Mother's Day gift yesterday and I'm, they're talking at me and I'm staring at them intently. They're looking at me like, what is wrong with you? What's, what's up with the awkward eye contact? I'm like, I'm just being present. Just being in the moment with you. I'm like, stop it. Now, I came across this list last week and it's, it's not a list about what listening should look like. It's about what listening definitely is not. Let me just invite you to listen carefully about this and see if any of these apply to your life. If you're thinking about an answer while others are talking, you're not listening. If you give unsolicited advice in the middle of the conversation, you're probably not listening. If you apply a quick fix to the problem that was just communicated to you, you're not listening. If you glance at your watch or your phone or if you appear to be rushed in the moment, you're not listening. If you fail to maintain eye contact, you're not listening. If you fail to ask questions and follow-ups, you're probably not listening. If while someone's talking and giving you their story, you're thinking of yours that's bigger and better, you are probably not listening. Book of Proverbs is... Packed with thoughts on this topic. We could go on and on and on. Look at this in Proverbs 1.5. It says, let the wise hear, let them increase in learning. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And by that voice, they follow me. And that really leads me to, I would say, probably the most important part of this first point. And that is in the context of our lesson, this really isn't about us listening well to each other. What James is really getting at is the importance of how well we listen to God's word when we're together. Look at this in verse 21. He says, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Receive with humility, with humbleness and, and meekness, this word, listen well. That is to let God's word speak over you, to to allow it to teach you, to shape you, to submit yourself to it, to let it transform you, to, to really listen. The book of Romans says it like this. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the word because it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. But let's be real. There are seasons that we all walk through where it is not easy to listen where the distractions of life are playing in our minds, where, where we don't even seldom pick God's word up. There are days I know full well where I'm up here in the pulpit and I just go on and on and on and on. And yet I think these, these, these places in our lives, they are, they are opportunities for us to, to practice listening, right, to be quick, to hear. Again, James uh, couldn't have, or Jesus couldn't have been clear on this topic. Look at this in John 8, 47. He says, whoever is of God, hears the words of God. The reason why you don't hear them is because you are not of God. This is a litmus test for our faith, right? Are you eager for the word in your life? Do you crave it? Do you stop and make time for it? Does it lead you? Does it shape you? Does it make you? James said, we should be a people who are quick to listen. That's the dot of the Christian life. But if that's true, then a dash comes right after inevitably. Look at this. James says, if you're quick to listen, then you have to be slow to speak. You can't have one without the other. And I'll tell you, this one gets me every time. Confessions of a pastor. I feel like the places in my life where I have failed in this time and time again, it bit me. You you feel me? You with me? If I'd have just kept my mouth shut a bit longer, if I'd have just bit my tongue a little bit more, if I would have stopped to listen for a minute, instead of jumping into that conversation, how much heartache I would have saved myself and others. Yeah, this is such a timeless statement in counsel, right? It's not just in what we say, it's in what we text. It's in the the email maybe we shouldn't have sent. It's in the Twitter post that we should have thought more carefully about. It's in the voicemail that we left. And James writes this out, right? Because there was a specific cancer in the midst of God's people. It was stark clear. People in this church were far too quick to speak and far too slow to listen. And the result was danger. In fact, I'm gonna show you this. Look at verse 13 from last week. I feel like this is a clue. He says, let no one say, let no one speak when he is being tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for that's a lie. God to not be tempted by evil. See what's happening here? It's, it's almost as if as God's people have gathered, someone in the assembly has stood up and made false assumptions about who God is. And before listening to one another, they've claimed a claim that is now spreading falsehood to the flock. And instead of being quick to listen and slow to speak, someone has ignored the realities of God and jumped the gun into spreading falsehood among the church. God's tempting us. That's why this trial has come. This is his fault. And James writes back to the church, he says, no, no, no. The scriptures teach the opposite of that. Again, look at this in verse 15. He says, you're tempted by your own desire, not by God. You're lured by your own sin. God doesn't tempt, he saves from temptation." See, but the problem in this, this early church is that in their hardship and their suffering, they leapt to these quick conclusions and these fast assumptions instead of first listening. You know, this is such a relevant lesson for us, even on, on this, this Mother's Day, right? You, you name the hot button issue, it's before us. Week after week, there's some new headline, some new development that gets us fired up. The polarization is real. All you have to do is hit the retweet button. You've spoken. But when you are quick to speak, we forget that even if it's spot on, the words that we choose and the manner by which we speak the truth matters just as much as the truth we speak. Again, look at this, Proverbs ten nineteen it says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains their lips is prudent. We should be a people who are quick to hear and slow to speak. In 2020, an air traffic controller nearly killed hundreds of people with just one word. United Airlines flight from Newark, New Jersey had been granted permission to land at the same time that another flight was taking off for Spain. The Newark flight was to land on the left runway. The Spain flight was to take off from the right. But in the chaos of the day, the the flight controller accidentally gave clearance to the Newark flight to land on the right side instead of the left. And as the last minute, the, the flight from Spain realized what was happening, called it in, and in that moment, the two planes were 300 feet from disaster. It's a good thing they weren't using the old telegram. You know, our words are powerful, right? One word can carry weight we don't even recognize. And the book of James is obsessed with this. This this won't be the the last time we look at this in this series. He talks about it five separate times in this letter. I love how ancient rabbis uh, put it in one of their commentaries. Look Look at this. So there's a reason why we have two ears and only one mouth, that we may hear more and speak less. The ears are always open, ever ready to receive instruction, but the tongue is surrounded with a double row of teeth to hedge it in and keep it in its place. I have never regretted, have you ever in my life, taking the time to stop and process and pray about what I need to say? I've never regretted stopping to listen to someone well before I speak, but man, do I have, do all of us have moments of regret when we spoke way too soon? Be quick to listen, dot, slow to speak, dash. And James offers one more, he says, be slow to anger. You know, it seems kind of random, right? Like first we're talking about listening to one another well, and then speaking and taking turns. And then all of a sudden it's like side flank. Whoa, what, where did anger come from? And yet I would argue that emotion is not as removed from these two concepts as you might think. James says, it's not just that we listen to the word, it's that we put it into action. Look again at this as verse 22. He says, to listen to it is to deceive yourself. That's only part of the equation. This is a word that is meant to be lived out. It's meant to change us. And one of our core values as a church is, is that very line. The elders were really specific about this years ago. We put our stake in that ground. We said, we wanna be a church that believes in the word of God, dot, 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 lived out. It's not just enough that we come here and hear it and internalize it. It's not enough that we go to BSF and we, we, we memorize it. It has to be lived. It has to be a lifestyle. To walk with Christ, James says, is to receive this this word with meekness, right? There's, a, there's an emotional readiness to this. But here's the challenge of this church. They're on an emotional roller coaster. They're in persecution. You ever notice how life gets challenging when emotions and emotions get heightened when conflicts arise? You know, no one typically fights on a beach vacation sitting in their chairs reading a book, right? Right? No one fights when when, when the spouse comes home and says, I got a massive raise today. Life's awesome. Typically, the conflict arises when there's an issue that comes into our life that's outside of our control. And this is no different than the, the early church, right? They were faced with these tensions of unprecedented persecution. And James says to get through those challenges amid those hardships, we've got to listen more carefully. We've got to slow down our speech. We've got to be careful with the emotions that overshadow the words that we say to one another. Just think about it. Words and emotions go hand in hand, don't they? This is why we have emojis. So that we don't miscommunicate to each other. We throw in a wink face, right? Look at this in verse 23. James says, if you just hear the word, but you fail to live it. You're like one who intently looks at their face in the mirror and then goes away and forgets what you look like. This might be the most absurd, ridiculous analogy in all of Scripture, right? I mean, it's it's a ridiculous analogy. I'm going to make the assumption that we all looked at ourselves in the mirror this morning. We got our makeup on, we got our hair done. If I were to put a mirror up in front of you again right now, how many of us would be unrecognizable? Of course you'd recognize who you are. And James says it's just as ridiculous, it is just as absurd to receive the word of God in your life and then walk back out those doors and ignore it, fail to live it. He goes on, he says, if you don't take the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent in this world around us, if you blend into the patterns of hasty words and careless speech, you cease from producing the righteousness of God. Proverbs 29, 11, I think it amplifies this. It says, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. As I said, we're keeping it really simple this morning. Morse code of the Christian life. If there ever was one, I'm convinced it's dot, dash, dash. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And hear me well on this. I'll close with this last part. This is important. We don't live that code in order to somehow earn extra credit in heaven or to win over God's graces. We live this out so that a lost world would find Christ in us. So that a culture of vitriol and rampant discord and reckless speech would find something different in us that would spark a moment in their minds to see Christ's church living out his righteousness and his glory. Dot, 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 dash, dash. This is the Christian pattern, the life that we're called to live. Let's ask God to help us do that. Will you pray with me? God, I'm sure we can all in this room, maybe even this morning, Think of a moment where we spoke too quickly. Or where the words came out before the thoughts had time to process. And the output was a danger to those around us. So, God, we asked this morning that you would give us the, the grace to live differently. Lord, to live by a pattern that is quick to listen, not only to each other, but to you, and slow to speak. Lord, may we be a people who are slow to let our emotions get the best of us. God, we thank you for, for reminding us of this gift that you have given to your church. Lord, we pray for forgiveness for those areas in life where we have, we have failed to, to follow well, to listen readily. So God, we pray right now, Lord, that you would help us even this week, even this day, even this hour to focus and to listen intently for you. In Jesus' name, all God's people say.